Let's Grow Big Together. And all the fabulous podcasts made by Feast of Fun are made possible because of legendary listeners just like you. For an ad-free experience, access our full catalog of over 3,000 shows on our website, feastoffun.com slash plus, or follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash feastoffun. Pop culture artist Andy Warhol once predicted that in the near future, everyone would be famous for 15 minutes. But with the advent of social media and pay-per-view sites of an adult nature, muscular athletes can now be stars for a lot longer than 15 minutes. You get a whole month for $9.99 plus tax. Let's grow big together. The podcast that'll oil you up and rub you down. Down, down, down. I'm Fausto Fernos. And I'm Mark Fillion. In this series, we're taking a look at the passion for muscle, how to build it, keep it growing, muscle gods and muscle worship. Today, bodybuilder Scott Holliday, who best describes himself as an encourager of courageous authenticity, joins us to talk about being one of OnlyFans' top muscle worship video creators creating mentality as a healing community for men and overcoming past traumas as a way to grow your body and mind. Plus, the best bodybuilding gyms in Austin, Texas. And gigantism, the fascination with sexy giants who crush things. Hey, can you hear me? Hi, is this Scott Holiday? This would be him. Hey, if we took a holiday. <laughs> yeah. Woohoo. Oh, yeah. Just some time to celebrate yeah, all the muscles day. that you got. <laughs> every day is a holiday here. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mark Fillion. And I'm Fausto Fernos. Hi, Scott. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I've always wanted to talk to somebody who wears harem pants. Oh, well, then I'm your guy, and it's a pleasure to be on. Thank you for inviting me. Of course, of course. I saw your, uh, your Instagram. I'm just like, this dude's wearing harem pants. We got to talk to him. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just really felt like I've kind of moved around my style. I was like, what feels most authentic to me? And I'm just like, I like relaxed pants. These are great. I'm going to wear them. I want them. <laughs> well, you have a, a tie-dye hippie kind of aesthetic too, right? Uh, yeah, well, not so much tie-dye, but but definitely, I guess, I guess you could call it hippie. I never thought in my life I'd be... I'd be where I'm at now when I was younger. Um, you know, I was blue jeans and and very uh, practical kind of person. Uh, and if it didn't, you know, if it didn't make logically any sense, then I just I didn't have anything to do with it. And then as I've grown and through my experiences, I'm like, oh, the the emotional aspect of of life is really important to me, and it's really changed um, my appreciation. Uh, and gratitude, and has made my life a lot more purposeful and enjoyable. So I'm just like, so, and also my clothing has changed too. I'm like, I just want to wear things that feel comfortable and I like. And free yeah. flowing, free flowing, man. Yeah, or not at all, <laughs> or none at all. Exactly, that's my style too. <laughs> and we appreciate that, Scott. Uh, thank you. We are fans of your Instagram. Uh, my friend CJ Martini, uh, who is a CrossFit champion, speaks volumes of you. He adores oh. you. I love him. Uh, it's unfortunate we don't get enough time to spend together, but uh, he's, a, he's a beautiful man inside and out, and I wish I had some more time with him. So, CJ, if you're listening, I miss you, brother. I love you. Oh, CJ. CJ is the best. So, uh, you, you know, this is something I always say about bodybuilding. All great bodybuilding careers have a litany of woe. You're like a Charles Dickens character. 
You Oof, know, yeah. there's mm-hmm. just an ocean that. of trauma. And, you know, what's interesting is that that trauma in some ways really sort of drives your passion for building your body and shaping your body into something that is an ideal aesthetic for you, but also for other people as well. And Absolutely. You, you grew up in Missouri. Yes, I did. Good old misery. <laughs> the show me state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I took that to heart. And uh, tell me about your father. Like what, what was your father like? Oh, up there? oh, yeah. So my father has this huge heart, this, this huge heart. And he's, he grew up in a time where I guess you could, for lack of better terms or for brevity's sake, dealt with a lot of toxic masculinity, a lot of um, identity of, of how a man should be, uh, limiting emotions, and and it created this this ego to help keep him safe, where this heart doesn't fit in this container of his of his ego, and he's he struggles with conflict in it. So I just want to say, my dad's got a huge heart, um, just from his environment and everything like that. It just caused it to, to distort his expression of his love. Um, so, uh, growing up with him, he, he's uh, very expressive. He's just like me. He's just, I have a lot of compassion for him because he's just like me. If I grew up in a time that wouldn't really accept me. So he was very sexually expressive. He, he was, uh, he had a business called magic man production where he was a, uh, a dancer, an exotic dancer, I guess Hot. you could say. <laughs> a Wait a minute, so yeah. your dad was even more hotter than you are. I don't know. His, his stage <laughs> name was Mr. Hot Buns. No, oh, I wow. would say I'm hotter. <laughs> so get this. Yeah. His his uh, his company was called Magic Men Production, and then when Magic Mike came out, I'm like, you got to be kidding me! Wow. So, so, so he did so, that. So your dad predates the film Magic Mike with his. Oh yeah. Uh, would you call it like a male burlesque performances? And it was career? stripping down, stripping down to a G string, essentially right. like Chippendales. Kind of stuff. Yes, yeah, exactly. And that was that started in the seventies. So I, 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 I had a friend who did that, and he's for those bachelorette parties. I'm like, do you get to have, do you used to have sex with a lot of women? He's just like, I don't really have that much sex with them, but they do like to give me blowjobs. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I could imagine. So I, I've done a few bachelorette parties myself. It's it's fun. Uh, when I was younger, I, I just didn't want to get that reputation. Well, Missouri is yeah. a pretty conservative state. Like, what was the rest of the family's reaction to your father's career? Oh, my goodness. Well, my mother was supportive of it at first. Yeah. Um, and then uh, my grandparents are very uh, conservative. So I don't think they took a liking to it, but I guess it was a way for my dad to rebel and, and create his own identity. But yeah, so I grew up in a hypersexual environment. Um, and yeah, my, my dad was great. He was Did great. Did you see your dad perform? Uh, there was some like video stuff that you know, we could, we could watch, he videotaped some of them, <laughs> uh, some of the performances, but you know, it was down to like a, I didn't see him naked or anything like that. Mm. So no, but, but here's a funny, here's a funny fact. Yeah. Uh, he'd go out and do a show in the evenings, uh, with my mom and they'd come back around one or 2 AM and they'd have the black duffel bag and me and my two older sisters would gather around. They'd dump out the bag with all the the dollar bills and denominations and we'd unwrinkle the bills and, and we'd uh, put the ones all together and piles of 10 and we put all the fives and $10 and $20 bills together. <laughs> so it was a little activity and yeah, it was pretty wild. I, 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 for me, it was so normal at the time, but now looking back at it, I'm like, that's kind of, that's kind of different. <laughs> Daddy, these bills yeah. smell like grandma. <laughs> They're sticky. <laughs> They're so sticky. <laughs> uh, don't touch those. Don't touch those. Yeah, yeah. I gotta yeah, put them in the wash everywhere. first. So you were yeah, laundering right. money in a different way as a kid. Yes, yes, absolutely. Literally. Right. <laughs> Literally laundering it. <laughs> wow. And so so um, you know, now I was hearing about your your mama, she decided to just leave the family. At, yeah, when you were right. young. 
Yeah, I'll go into that. So she was 14 when, when her and my dad got pregnant. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was my eldest sister. And I think by the time it got to to me, she had, well, so she had no support from her family system, hardly any. So she, you know, received love from my father and he came a, a partner, a lover and a father figure to her. And I think she didn't really get to enjoy her childhood or express herself the way she wanted. She felt mm-hmm. constricted. Uh, and then by the time um, I was seven, I think she was 37. By the time she's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. So she just left and it caused a lot of pain and destruction. Um, I took it, I took it to heart. And like, as a seven year old, I was like, I hard for me to comprehend it. And Why wouldn't you? It. Right. Right. I, I, yeah. I had sat there and thought, Oh, you know, she left me and I took a lot of it to, to being like it was a reflection of me. Uh, and that caused me some some commitment issues and an abandonment wound. Uh, so commitment issues with, with the people I dated, uh, I never felt like I could trust them fully. Uh, so I always I always had somebody else I was talking to I was unfaithful in all my relationships because of this wound. And uh, and it manifested my reality. And, you know, I the people the partners did end up leaving. So I, I actually came to this conclusion or came to like a um, a conclusion. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm going to back up. Yeah. Um, whenever I was, when I was married, uh, I was married in 2014 to 2018, uh, to a German woman, uh, I met while I was on deployment in Iraq and I brought her back to the States and we just had a difficulty assimilating her to the culture. And, uh, and I just got fed up and I couldn't show up in ways because I wasn't conscious about how I was acting. And I ended up looking outside the relationship and i had a relationship with an, um, a man who was actually twice my age. He's uh, he was well to do in Chicago, and we would travel the states or travel all over the states and a party and and uh, I was doing it under the disguise of like training events, so my wife didn't know. And I had this affair with him, and he, you know, it was a difficult, toxic relationship because I felt like I was being taken advantage of. I allowed myself to do this to have this experience, but he asked me one day. He's like, you know you have this view on your mother and you keep looking at her as your mother and it's causing a lot of pain and conflict. He's like, have you ever thought that, you know, looking at her from a different perspective, like she's just a woman, she was a child when she got married. And I was like, Oh shit, you're right. So I went and had a conversation with my mom and, uh, you know, had a completing the relationship kind of like resolution. And I said, Hey, I was looking at you this way. Um, and uh, we had a really heartfelt connection and our relationship uh, improved after that when I was around 25 years old. So I logically understood the situation and, and what I felt went through. But not until recently, I, I had a partner that I separated from um, because I had noticed that I was not feeling fulfilled and satisfied in the relationship. And I was like noticing there was habits that were coming back that yeah. I did not like, like talking to other women. I started to like entertain the idea of talking to other women. I started to have a cold shoulder to my partner. I was like, oh, this is not acceptable for me. I honor myself too much to allow myself to be dishonest. Uh, so I, I had a conversation with her. I said, hey, we have to separate. So I was like, I love you and I love me, but our relationship is killing me. The energy is killing me. So I separated from her. And then uh, for me to be able to do that without being unfaithful and being in my truth, it held space for us to hold each other and mourn the death of our relationship. And in that moment, I was crying so hard um, that I remember, when was the last time I cried this hard? I said, like, oh, fuck. This is the last time I cried this hard was my mom left. Right. And then I was like, okay, so what was little Scott telling himself when he was crying this hard? He's like, oh, you're not good enough for your mother. Oh, you know, this, I was saying, I was casting all these negative spells on myself. So I was, I was able to time travel back and reparent myself in that moment and say, hey, Scott, you're good. You, you know, your mom had to do these things. You're perfectly fine and you're loved. So at that point, 
um, I healed a part of me. I couldn't, I didn't just think about it, but I also felt it. So um, that allowed me to experience a lot of abundance in the past, you know, six weeks or so, just um, really honoring myself and showing up my authentic expression. And, and uh, it's created a relationship I have now with a good friend of mine. We have an open relationship uh, full of unconditional love. And uh, it's great. Yeah, what's it's what's her name? Her name is Liv Thompson. Liv. So you'll, you'll see her on my page frequently. Yeah. I, I uh, see you guys together and you seem so happy and in love and it's so beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's and, really and, wonderful. And I noticed, you know, I mean, in terms of like, you know, when someone is in a heterosexual relationship, there's a lot of uh, expectations of traditional types of relationships. So it's a real gift that you guys can give that to each other, that you can sort of have that, those you know, new boundaries or new types of um, traditions and new types of expectations yeah. as opposed to fulfill, trying to fulfill something that you was bestowed upon you by society. And yes, history. you're nailing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's purpose So what, what really mm-hmm. nurtures this relationship is uh, truth and transparency. So, you know, anytime we're starting to attach to certain thoughts and feelings, we express them to one another and uh, and it creates a dialogue, and we and it's been really important for us to to check in with our egos and see where we're coming from in each conversation, and and understanding what's hers to own and what's mine to own. Uh, what and, I think is interesting, though, here and and sort of creating a timeline of your bodybuilding career, it seems like your bodybuilding career sort of took off when you were able to sort of resolve the trauma that you experienced with your mother. Yeah, let's see here. About twenty-five. Um, yeah, that actually started helping a lot. Now, yeah. uh, I don't know if that's a direct correlation, but I do know that like a lot of the trauma and the avoiding avoiding myself and my inner thoughts and feelings, I, I did that um, through bodybuilding. I used bodybuilding as an addiction, and uh, it's and a I great addiction, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's great. Why, why, why do you call it an addiction? Do you feel it was unhealthy for you? Yeah. So what I the way I describe addiction is any. Um, uh, pattern or behavior that you use to avoid um, uh, negative emotions, to avoid things that you don't want to feel any discomfort. Yeah. So if I'm like, oh, I'm starting to feel anxiety or I'm starting to feel depression, I'm going to play video games or I'm going to, uh, like a sex addiction, I'm going to go reach out and not try to feel the emotions that I need to to process through. So that's why I don't really um, identify this as an addiction right now. Um, I did that last year because I don't I didn't know any other way to communicate it. But essentially, um, I don't see it as an unhealthy or an addiction if I'm showing up in all areas of my life and, and truth to myself and be like, hey, I'm feeling a low-frequency uh, emotion. Um, I need to sit with that and think about what's going on versus like, oh, I'm feeling it. Uh, let me go hit up some person I'm attracted to. And your background, when you were serving in the military, you started doing uh, powerlifting competitions. Yeah, I, I started out with powerlifting competitions, and I was in. Uh, this was around 2012. I was in yeah. Germany. I was in my room, and I I took a picture. I looked in the mirror. I'm like, and I sat down on the toilet. And my belly was on my my thighs. I'm like, I don't like the way I look. This is awful. What am I doing? Lifting heavy weights and looking like a a big turd. So I was like, I'm gonna sign up for a show. <laughs> I'm gonna get in shape. This isn't like me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's about when it started. What was really. your first show? It was in it was in Kaiserslautern, Germany. Uh, it was on a base, and uh, I had dropped 25 pounds because, like, oh, I'm I'm 240. I'll drop down to 215, and I had a rude awakening. I got to show you guys one of these photos. I was uh, the the <laughs> I stuck out like a sore thumb, man. I was yeah. uh, I had a bunch of oil and and uh, glaze on me, and I was just 
no ab definition. So then after that, I was put at a, at a, at a choice point. I'm like, okay, do I just uh, tuck my tail under between my legs and, and never do bodybuilding again? Or do I like really commit? So it's, I decided to commit again and drop another 25 pounds. And I, I won my class in that show, the next show in Stuttgart, oh, congratulations. German. That sounds like a real wake up call, right? It was. It really you gotta was. Put yourself out there in order to to realize what you are and what you have and what your potential is. Well, you never do very traditionally. You don't do well in your first competition, except for me. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I haven't done yeah. it yet. I haven't done it yet. So my my first competition at the age of fifty is coming next fall, and I'm like already feeling like it's a slow moving train wreck. <laughs> oh no. But I like, you know, I like ridiculous, uh, impossible situations. And oh, so to yeah. me, I have a great sense of humor about it all. And, and it's like, I think I'll do okay. You know, like I, I saw some of the people I would be in masters, which they call it the old folks club, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The senior home. The senior home for, but see, and I looked at the, at the, at the people who show up these things and some of them can be like, you know, uh, your uncle Lou, who was drinking a beer just two weeks ago and was like, I could do that. I did wrestling in college. Give me that yeah, oil. Absolutely. Give me that yeah. suntan lotion. And, he's like, <laughs> and you're like, it's that, it's oh, the boy. confidence that men have like that extra testosterone. Like I'm great. <laughs> or you have, you know, King Midas, the bodybuilding legend of Istanbul, who has been, you know, and he shows up with a giant mustache and he like he could take he will have take have sex with your daddy and your mama (laughs) and you and take that sword home and take the sword home and you will thank him. Yeah, he's a total alpha. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, so you just don't know who shows up at these contests. And sometimes it's like. It is sort of a little bit of a gambling thing because it's like, you- oh yeah, you know. Here's here's another yeah. one too, Fausto. Is that one year a show might not be doing? It might yeah. have like a poor a poor um, um, attendance or like like not very uh, competitive comp- competitors or contestants, and then other people will see that like, oh, I can go rock that show. So the next year, you get a bunch of great looking people, a bunch of really uh, competitive people show up there. I've seen that happen before, where one year the show is is. Um, for lack of better terms, low caliber, and the next year is more experienced people. <laughs> well, I always tell people it's like plates before dates, curls yes, before sir. the girls, because part of the reason is, and I say, explain this to the guys who are like mad because I'm not having sex with them. Right. They get, Especially they hit you up at the gym, yeah. you're on Grinder or Scruff or whatever, and they're like, come leave your workout and come have sex with me. And I said, Liz, the reason you're attracted to me is because the, part of it, you don't know me, my personality, which is winning and charming. Um, it, <laughs> it is, uh, you, you're attracted to me based on the way I look. And the way I look is because I make a decision, a conscious decision to go to the gym before I pursue sex. Yeah. And, 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 you're, and you're mad at me for doing the thing that makes you valuable or interested to me on a superficial level. Yes. Yep. And they don't get that. <laughs> It's like well, if, if you kept do, so if you kept doing that, you would start to your your physique would start to suffer, and then then you'd be like going in the cycle of like, oh, I work out for three months, I get really hot, and then I take three months to just fuck around, and then I get fat and out of shape, and then you get to get back in shape. Well, and you work as a, I mean, you have all you're a jack of all trades, and you work as a as a trainer and as a coach, as a mental wellness enthusiast. You have yeah. a, on your what is it on your face on your Instagram? You describe yourself as somebody. Who, is an encourager of authentic uh, expression. Yes. 
And, yeah. and so, you know, I've always said it's like when you're training somebody, it's about not just a dr teaching them how to lift or how to move, how to eat, how to rest, how to inject anabolic steroids in your ass. But <laughs> it's also about, you know, uh, put, bringing down those walls that are around them in order to sort of embrace this new information, because all of us as adults, we've come to a conclusion that this is the way it is. Mm -hmm. And working with a coach or a trainer means sort of giving up that big part of your ego that accepts something as fact and trying something new to see if it changes the way you look. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And the egos can be the demise of many bodybuilders, I believe. Yeah. How, how so? Uh, with not being open and receptive to new methods. Mm. Yeah. And but getting stuck but uh, conversely, like sometimes I've worked with some trainers and they just like get mad. <laughs> they, they do what? They get mad. They're like, you're not doing it right. And I'm like, well, oh, I'm yeah, trying yeah, to follow yeah. your instructions. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like blaming the student. Cause they, you know, like a dance teacher is like, okay, do a, you know, pas de deux. And you're like, is this a pas de deux? And you're like, no, <laughs> no. You know, yeah, it's, I've, uh -huh. I've experienced a lot of different coaches over the years and they're, they, uh, they vary in, in their approaches. Um, yeah. So it, like switching from one coach to another, especially early in your career, I think is pretty common until you find one that you actually mesh with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Well, what and then talk about your relationship with your coach. Like what did they do for you? So I ended up, my, my favorite coach I had was, uh, Mike Pitbull, uh, Lacombe. He's out of, um, he's out of Chicago. Um, and I really loved him because he gave me that, that tough masculine love that I needed. He like had an effeminate, uh, he had, he was open for me to talk to him and we had a friendship, but he also, uh, really challenged me and called me on any of my bullshit. Like one time I had a cheat meal at Wendy's. Because uh, I love their double cheeseburgers, especially <laughs> at the time, and I, I had a cookie too. And I told them, I was like, "Yeah," and I and I had a cookie as well. And now, I was that was when I was prepping for the 2019 USA's, and I I kicked ass in there, but and I looked amazing. But he was like, "You can't fucking have that cookie." And like, what? he called me out on it. And I'm like, "Man, I thought you just let it slide, but it was just a little cookie, bro." <laughs> it's just it a cheese. cookie, Coach right? Lacombe. Come on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, "I'm going to make you pay for that cookie." Yeah, that's what it felt like. So, what did he do? <laughs> like, like, how did he punish you? Well, I gave him pictures after that, and there was no need to really punish me. But he just called me out on it and then held me to my word, which I needed at the time. <laughs> it, it sort of it sounds like he would bring then like a, a giant box of cookies and say, "Oh, so you like cookies? Well, here's a giant <laughs> box, and I'm going to sit here and watch you eat every single thing. one of them." <laughs> he would. He would have rather tortured me by putting me on a treadmill and putting the cookies in front of me. I had to walk towards him like a. <laughs> like a like a donkey with a carrot on a stick. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, do donkeys like to eat carrots? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a horse. It's a horse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you know, when you're training like people, you know, I imagine that you have a wide variety of of uh, clients. But one thing that is interesting about you, and I and I also we interviewed a lot of other coaches as well, is that a lot of the clients are gay men. Yeah, the majority of, of my yeah. my demographic client is gay men. Yeah. So if you're a homophobe and you want to get into bodybuilding coaching for men, you better get your shit together. You know. Yeah. You know, it's amazing to me that they're like it's just mind blowing to me that there's people who are homophobic uh, in this day and age. I'm just like, 
Where have you been for the past 20 well, plus years? They're a little turned on by it. And so like straight men don't really think about it too much. You know, if yeah. they're really just into women, they know who they are. But if they're kind of yeah. homophobic, it means that they've got some tendencies that they really kind of need to deal with. Yeah, I've, I've, always, I've always thought that too. Like maybe it's just them projecting out their insecurities and their discomfort. For sure. But like yeah. I know some straight guys who look amazing and they wind up with these frumpy women because... And you, you tell me, because you, you've dated everybody, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just like yeah. straight guys sometimes have a really hard time connecting and, and finding themselves emotionally with women. And so just like when they get into that one relationship, they hold on to it for dear life, even if it's not the best relationship for either of them, but because they just don't know what else to do if they lost that. And so the relationship becomes the, uh, the keystone to their entire existence. Yeah, almost like they're they have an identity towards it. Yeah, and and yeah. so you know, yeah. like for gay guys, it was like you know, we're like Beyonce is like uh, to the left, to the left. You know? There's a lot <laughs> yeah, of people that yeah. they get into a relationship and they stay in the relationship. The 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 rates of uh, abuse in LGBT uh, relationships are actually pretty high. But what I'm saying is like you know, in terms of like when we we have more resilience to some degree mm. and a more availability to find that person to be in a relationship with, cause we have a lot of tools and resources and, you know, sometimes all that straight people have is Excalibur on Saturdays with dollar shot nights, you know? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. They have Bumble yeah. and Tinder and all those apps, just like everybody else. Nowadays. Yeah. yeah. But uh, like yeah, historically, do. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so, so I, I noticed that, you know, with, when it comes to straight men, it's like, they tend to be more sort of like, um, uh, codependent with their partners than I would say that straight guys. Oh, are. I see this. Okay. Yeah. More codependency. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that with my interaction with the gay community and the heterosexual. Well, you're church. part of that community. Yeah. I, I mean, that's why it's, yeah. it's easy. It's, it's, uh, it gives me, it gives me a vantage point to see both sides and experience both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, I, I, say, I do and have that's a why lot I of say bisexual men make the greatest lovers because they understand everybody. Oh. To send a <laughs> you know what? That's so funny. You should say that. Cause that's what, that's what Liv says. She's like, I love bisexual men. Mm -hmm. They can flow from their feminine to their masculine. So freely. Me too. Uh, I, 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 yeah. I like one so much. I married him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Is, is she a fan of your um, only fans? Does she help you with the videos? Yeah, Does she actually, watch them? And yeah, so um, she's a big fan of them. Like, I went up to Chicago about a week ago, uh, and I did content with this uh, one beautiful model named Melody. And uh, and Liv was like, oh, let me see pictures. I, I want to see the content you create. And um, she just recently um, voiced her interest in, in, in doing some content together uh, and slowly working her way into that. So she's very supportive of me and my desires and... Um, yeah, it's, it's really amazing to be in this space because I, I felt unworthy of being like, hey, I want to open a relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a lot of love to give and I just need to like trust myself. Um, I just needed to trust myself to show up in this way. How did, and I, how did, I finally, yeah. How did the two of you get into it? Did you have an open relationship from the very beginning or is it something you, you worked on? Yeah, so we've been friends for a little over a year. Uh, and then we recently decided, we were talking, like, hey, would you like to open up uh, a romantic uh, side to this relationship we have? And he's like, yeah. So we went on a, we went on a date in my house and, um, and just saw what the connection was. And we, we both love who we are uh, and, and don't want, when we stated this up front, we don't want to make commitments um, to someone like, as in like a, a monogamous relationship boundary. And we both agreed upon that. So this kind of just um, grew organically. This relationship style grew organically. Mm. 
and uh, it, it just started mm-hmm. out. It started out open. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it started we, off we, as friends. Yes, yes. Because mm-hmm. our thing is we we truly love the human that each other are. I love Liv's full and authentic expression of herself. So I don't want to stifle that by putting any boundaries on her. It's like, hey, you can't go talk to other men or women. You can't do this. You can't, like, I don't want that. I want her to fully love her life because when she does that, she shows up as herself and that's what I fucking love. And it's been so amazing because with with not having requirements or, or yeah. commitments like this, we've found that we really enjoy our time together because we can speak freely about everything we want and it's made us more connected. Versus well, when having you a- go to a bodybuilding competition and you're up against other guys and they win, does she go home with them? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> you're like, well, if you don't bring home that sword, Scott, <laughs> I'm going home with Charles. Oh, that would be hot, right? That'd be really hot. Yeah, I, I like the idea. Somebody I like, has a cuckold fetish. Yeah, <laughs> I, get, I get turned on. Yeah, I get turned on. Um, She's like, bring uh, home the gold, Scott, yeah, or don't yeah. come home at all. Right. Oh, no, I, I do like... I do love, I have so much compersion for her. Like whenever she's experiencing pleasure, I experience a lot of pleasure. So I like to buy new toys and, 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 uh, experience that with her. Yeah. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful, so, and, well, you have one of the top most successful only fans accounts. You're like in the 1% or something. Yeah. Well, I fluctuate from, um, depending on the season and I guess what people are into between 1% and 3%. And yeah, imagine yeah. that, how often are you creating? Because we do this podcast, and we're, we're like OnlyFans without the sex. But you know, and like I just feel like sometimes you know, you, like you love this sort of uh, you know, do your own business to some degree, but you're you know also feel like it's time to make the donuts. You're always having to put out content, and if your content is out of a sexual nature, it can sometimes be like emotionally or physically draining for you. You are absolutely correct. That's why I really enjoy diversifying my income. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just do what's... Because there's times back when I first started it. When I first started it back in September, it was late September, October. October, it was a bit mind-blowing because I was in the top 0.06% or something. Wow. 0.6%. So it was like it, it uh, generated a little over $16,000 that month. Wow. And I was just kind of shocked. I was like, okay, you know, how do I navigate this? And I ended up, and you invested it all up, in Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, only a portion of it right now. That fucked me, man. Oh, oh shit. shit. Yeah. I got some vacations and, and, and yeah. survived my life during that time or thrived. So I was starting to do things like, I noticed, I was like, I don't really want to do this custom video. And I started doing things a little bit inauthentic and kind of, it drained me. So I had to recalibrate like, okay, what is it that I actually want to do here? Like I would just, I noticed like in the past, like I, would love i'm an exhibitionist so i'd love to show myself so if, with consent if someone wanted to see me in whatever sexual way it's like here this is me and i was like okay if i continue to do this why don't i just sell it and i have a healthy outlet for me to do that as opposed to um trying to generate that through social media conversation i'm just like hey if you want to see me here's where i put out my myself <laughs> put myself out there <laughs> well that's the thing you know like andy warhol said in the future we'll be fi- famous for 15 minutes but i we said this early on the podcast in the future everyone's going to be a porn star for 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> right. that's what it felt like yeah. that's what it felt like yeah and yeah. and you know mark has a sort of a new 
My angle is I was uh, thinking about, because, you know, I look at this OnlyFans, too, is in some ways it's just another social media platform, right? In some ways. And so I'm just thinking, like, you know, if I'm already hooking up with guys on Grindr and Scruff anyway, why not just do an OnlyFans so that I can have sex with really hot guys who want to film it? You know, I mean, yeah. If that's something that feels comfortable for you, yeah. Why well, not? I'm toying with the idea, though. You know, like, you I was raised, I was an yeah. altar boy. You know what I mean? So I was like, I was raised by very conservative folks as uh, well. So, so yes, there's some, some walls that need to come down. Yes. Well, yeah. Mark and I are open, and I'm just like, do it. You know, it's yeah. like this is like your dream come true. You know, come this on, sounds, grandpa. Okay, this sounds yeah. exactly like yeah. This sounds exactly like me, myself, and Liv. Like yeah. Mark is like Liv, and I'm like Fasta. It's like oh. Yeah. Uh, are open. you me or am I you? Call me. <laughs> I, I, we're we're both one and the same. We're all the same. Call me by your name, Scott. Well, I, I was looking at uh, some of your uh, <laughs> videos on Twitter, and I really like the uh, the macrophilia, the the gigantism. Oh yeah. Because you're, yeah, I mean, you're one. a big guy. How much how much do you weigh right now? Uh, two thirty five. Two thirty five. Yeah. Hot, hot. Hot. But you make these videos as though it appears as though you're like Godzilla. Yeah, people want me to. People want me to be uh, a five hundred foot giant that that smashes things and is in total control. And I, and one of the one of the things that's uh, caught me by surprise, like, hey, I want you to act like you pick me up and eat me. So like, I pick the phone up and I put the camera towards my mouth and I go gulp. <laughs> and I'm like, oh if that's what you like, like I want to be in your belly. I'm like, all right, man, if that's what you want, I have fun. Totally I have fun inside you. Yeah, right. Well, there's all these yeah. great forums and I'm like, I, you know, I lose track of them because it's like you, but one of them had the, uh, there's the muscle giant, right? So he's mm-hmm. like, he's at the gym with his friend and his friend's like, I have a secret steroids that was given to me by a witch. Oh, I did this. Did you see this video I did? No. <laughs> No. I did that video. Yeah, send it to us, would you? So, so he had the, guy, the can, gym with the guy. And he's like, "This is the steroids that was given to me by a witch, so it's extra potent." And the guy's yep. like, "Give me that steroids," and he drinks it like a like Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, you know? Yes. And then he's like, he gets all the muscle, and he bullies his friend to introduce him to the witch and he and he you know grabs the witch by her dress and says give me all your magic roids witch (laughs) (laughs) and so he gets all the roids from the witch and he consumes them and he becomes a giant and then every and then and then he jizzes and he drowns his friend yeah (laughs) it's a tragedy it's so hot it's a shakespearean tragedy yeah i'm getting really excited (laughs) just talking about it what what is it like you know like, I don't, I understand, like, you know, we came of age watching the Incredible Hulk ripping out of his shirt, you know, in the title yeah. sequence. Or, uh, you know, certainly Chris Evans as Captain America going into the, the pod and coming out all jacked, you know? Yes. Um, and so, so I understand that sort of muscle transformation, but the, the idea of gigantism seems a little bit like Attack of the 50-foot Woman. It seems kind of campy, isn't it? I mean, it, that's my perspective on it, but yeah. I, I know I have my own kinks that um, I wouldn't expect anybody else to understand. So I was just like, yeah, man, if that's, that's what gets you off. It's easy to do. I don't even have to get an erection or take my pants off. I'm like, sure, I'll, have, I'll make it in 10 minutes or well, something. I feel so like I it's something to do with their ego, right? They, they want to have their ego crushed. crushed they yeah. want to be small and little. Yeah, like a humiliation. Insignificant yeah. compared to you, the muscle master. Yeah, that sounds about right. I can see that. Well, that's what I like about muscle worship with another bodybuilder is like, you know, in terms of like gay sex or just sex in general, it's, it's so like genital and anal and vaginal focused. And it's nice to then, you know, eroticize the rest of the body. 
Yeah, I agree. Because that's I mean, especially if you do bodybuilding. Like I've experienced or my experience in bodybuilding. I'm like I put a lot of work in this physique, and I've been, I had lovers who just like I didn't feel like I got the reciprocation or attention that I desired. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm really receiving that from Liv right now. So it's like, oh, I was missing out on this. I didn't realize I was missing out on it. But yeah, it's 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 also another thing too. I've noticed with with a lot of women is I don't know if they're timid or what, but you know, I, I've built this physique and I. I have a desire for it to be appreciated. And I wasn't really getting that a lot. I was just kind of getting more of like, um, the intimacy connection with, with, um, Oh, I guess just eye gazing and, uh, emotional connection. So, well, I yeah. noticed that some people who have just beautiful bodies, you get them in the bedroom and they're like cats who want their tummy scratched. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm we like, pill, you yeah. went through so much trouble. It's all meat and no gravy. You're like, let me feel those yeah. shoulders. I yeah. want to feel those pecs. Like, I don't want to just pound your hole for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This will have some substance to it. Yeah. Uh, now, on OnlyFans, you do uh, giant vi videos, you do crushing yeah. videos. Yeah, I've done some of those. Uh, I had one video request from yeah. a woman who. And I felt I felt a little bit odd about this. I wasn't sure, so I had to really check on myself. But she wanted to be in like a dangerous situation where an evil villain got her and <laughs> restrained her, and like was like was doing things against her will. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll try this. So it was a fun experience, an interesting experience. But I don't know. It's one that I really feel passionate about. Are a lot of heterosexual uh, women turned on by like Loki? You know, like the trickster. <laughs> you know what? I don't know. I haven't had that conversation with, with many women. I haven't had many women express, man, Loki's so hot. I haven't hey, can heard. you just right now just uh, scream at Liv? <laughs> hey, Liv, do you think Loki's hot? I would if she wasn't on a call right oh, now. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, well, uh, you torture it, flashlights. You, oh, flashlights are a popular one too, yeah. Yeah, you destroy I, the flashlight usually. Yeah, I got to destroy it. I probably need a new one. Uh, and then uh -huh. flashlights also, you have to really take care of a listener sent me a, a flashlight oh, yeah. and um you know i used it and it was fun i pretty much only used it when i was like super horny and just wanted to you know whatever Pound but the then meat. i just you know i put it away one day and i pulled it out i'm like all right let me fuck this thing again and it melted yes yes it melted uh-huh they're tough to take care you of you have to wash it and put cornstarch <laughs> in it and stuff like that it's wild yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you also do muscle worship where somebody is like usually oiling you up and you're flexing for them. Yeah. I'd like to do more of those. So I, I'm trying to, I'm looking for um, another male in the area or wants to come here. Um, I volunteer as tribute. Yeah. Well, come, come on over and oil me up. <laughs> We're like uh, hunger games or there's this call it the hungry games. Mm. Hungry games. Yeah. There's just set up a, a line. And all come in and oil me down and whatever. <laughs> uh, nude, right. nude hiking. Yeah, I like nude. I like being outdoors naked. I I did one scene at my pool. Yeah, I was, I was really. Um, it was exciting because it was it was nerve wracking. But I did a scene at the pool where I did a masturbation like in in broad daylight and in, in the community area. <laughs> oh wow! Wild. Do you think people saw? Yeah. Um, I don't think so, but mm. if they did, they didn't say anything. Well, I loved your nude hiking. I saw some of your stuff on Twitter. That when I we go to Austin, I go to Austin a couple times a year, and I always love hiking there because it's just so the weather's usually good, and there's proximity to the city for some really really good hikes. Absolutely, there's so and many. there's some really hot cruising spots in Austin, like yeah. uh, like no other. I'm just like, yeah, so you go there and you're just like wow. Well, here's the story. So so you know. <laughs> We were in Austin for about a couple of weeks and, you know, usual shenanigans, right? 
And um, I think it was like two days before we were leaving, Mark's like, you got to come with me to this cruising spot. And I was just like, it's not going to be anybody that I'm going to be turned on by. It's going to be weird. And, you know, and sure enough, like Mark drags me to this beautiful, beautiful point by a lake and you by know, the river, yeah. by the river. And it's just, mm-hmm. a, just a physically beautiful spot. But, you know, you have your typical truck stop crowd, you know, not my scene. You are all beautiful, no matter what. Fausto say, says what I say. <laughs> it's just your style. It's, it's your not flavor. just my scene, you know. So I'm just sitting there. I like muscular guys, you know. So so I'm sitting there on a park bench, just like grand, angry grandpa, looking at my uh, phone, and I just hear in the corner of my ear, it's like, "Oh, Faust is gonna love you." My husband Faust is gonna <laughs> love you, and I'm just like, "Oh my God, what have you done?" You know. And and sure enough, he brings this guy. He was like a bodybuilder from Mexico who named Jose. And yeah, he was delicious. Mm-hmm. Oh my! So, what was that experience like? It was wonderful. You- it was very romantic and very sweet, and and in the in the moonlight, and you know, we basically just kissed and sucked each other's dicks and flexed for each other. It was it was wonderful. Well, it is. That does sound really and nice. We're still yeah. friends with him on Instagram. Yeah, and so I was like, because I'm always like. Give me your Instagram. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Good. So in, now I don't know if this is a cruising place, but it's a place uh, called Hippie Hollow. Of course. Yes. You, yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can really cruise there because I think that they'd probably be pretty strict on like they watch. Um, yeah. But they, touch. they have the, you can kind of like hide a little bit. I think in some I don't places. Know, you know, is that where is that where your yeah. videos are from, or it's from one? No, not mine. Okay. No, no, mine are. Are definitely risk taking, okay. <laughs> but you know, yeah. like I've I I lived in Austin, Texas. I used to have a cable access show and drag uh, in the early nineties, and you know, Austin, Texas is this weird oasis in a very conservative state that's slowly becoming purple, right? Absolutely, and, yeah. and uh, you have these nude spots, and you know, anybody who's been to Austin and been to Hippie Hollow knows. Honey, it may be naked, but there's going to be some shenanigans in the bushes, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they watch the with I, binoculars. They the do, distance. yeah. You got, they'll I kick you so. out, you know? Yeah, I bet so, yeah. And and uh, and then on your OnlyFans, you also uh, share recipes for uh, bison stew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was doing this, so I, I, I was doing this, like, um, the boyfriend experience, so yeah. anytime doing something i just be like okay i'm naked in the house anyways you want to watch uh, i enjoyed that and i do a little bit of uh ass play too not a little bit i do ass play so you're such yeah. a beautiful sexy man it's 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 such oh. a pleasure to get to know you you know it's like i i followed you on instagram for years and I, you know one one test that i do to see if this person is worthy of my attention is yes. i just say you are a beautiful oh and and some bodybuilders find that an attack <gasps> interesting Why? Because they they feel like it feminizes them or puts them in a place that they don't like, and they're like, "I'm I'm the alpha male. Or I'm don't call me beautiful. I'm handsome. You know stuff like yeah, that." Yeah, I could see that. But Arnold Schwarzenegger says we need to start finding the beauty in men as men, regardless of our sexual orientation. Uh, otherwise, uh, bodybuilding is cursed to fall out of favor. I hear that. And I think that you hit on a very important topic with men getting connected with their feminine side uh, in, a, in a very healthy way uh, and being open to expressing that because it can be really detrimental to whatever sexuality they are. If they're, if they're gay or straight or bi, it can be really detrimental to not be able to hold space for that feminine expression. You'll just repress it and it'll come out in unhealthy ways. 
And you uh, you have a, your own health community called Mantality instead of Vitality. Yeah. It's for you went from Sex Addicts Anonymous to creating this, right? So it was kind of a reaction to it, or yeah. So uh, after the breakup, so my breakup with Megan Davis, uh-huh. um, it was through my infidelity. She, you know, went through my phone, and I had all this shame. And I was like, oh, I need to go to Sex Addicts Anonymous. I needed to create a community, so I went to the Sex Addicts Anonymous. And I did that for quite a few months in a row. You know, got all these little coins like, "Hey, I've been sober for this long, whatever." Um, but during the meetings, they they kept saying um, things that just didn't align with me, and it was like, "Hey, I'm a sex addict, and there's like nothing I can do about it." And I was like, "Man, I hate saying that phrase." Uh, so I, I was like, "You know what? That's not me. Like, I enjoy sex and whatever." Um, and I decided, I was like, "You know what? I'm going to create my own community because I, I keep trying to find one." I was like, "Why don't I just manifest it myself?" So I did, and I called it uh, a portmanteau. It's masculine mentality. So mentality, and uh, the community just blew up, and uh, we do you know weekly calls between two and three weekly calls. We've been doing that for the past year and, and a half about, and then I set up a, a retreat, and I had you know uh, seven or eight guys come down, and we just connected. And it was a beautiful experience, and this, and now the community is supporting each other, and all the men are showing up and holding space for one another, talking through emotions and difficult experiences. Uh, and we got guys in Sri Lanka, Germany, Hawaii. Uh, and South Africa. So we got them all over the world. And it's just been an amazing to, to watch it grow and become bigger than myself. So I'm like totally stoked about it. Well, we in Austin, Texas, you know, there's a lot of like sort of um, spaces for people to sort of like bond and grow as human beings. Yes. Uh, one thing that I did for a while was a, a reciproc RC counseling. Um, yeah, are, you f- are you familiar with that? Because I noticed that you're doing some of those things with your girlfriend in your videos. No, I'm not familiar with that one. Please enlighten me on sure. it. Sure. Uh, basically, that, that exercise that you did where you're sort of putting your hands over each other's hearts and making eye contact and breathing and just yes. being silent. Yes. And and the practice of just sort of an, uh, absorbing a person's gaze. And then, yeah. then the next step that comes after that is one person gets to talk uninterrupted for 30 minutes, and then you return the favor. Oh, wow. And it's a sort of a, a creating a space for people to let, um, to process or let go of trauma. Yeah. Actually, thank you for sharing that with me because that's something that we could potentially utilize as well, bring up to Liv. Because Liv and I have started a business and we already have three clients with it. I mean, it's been just a couple of weeks. Uh, it's called Velvet Wand and it's a healing and intimacy deepening space for people uh, who, who are looking to, to deepen that connection with their partner and themselves. And we uh, are spicing it up with a little bit of Tantra as well. Mm. Um, and for people who don't familiar Tantra, Tantra or Tantric sex, uh, can you describe that quickly? For yeah, them? so yeah. Tantra, is, Tantra is from the Sanskrit words uh, Trayoti and oh, ten, Tenoti, I believe. And it's to expand and to liberate. So they, they put this word together and essentially what it is in, in my experience of it is the, the interweaving of sensuality, spirituality, and sexuality uh, to ascend into divinity. So it's something that, you know, for instance, Mary Magdalene, um, Jesus's wife, she was from the ISIS sex cult in Egypt and she met Jesus and they connected and married and through their, through their intimacy and their connection um, they were able to help fortify Jesus to perform his miracles and to um, sacrifice himself. So, you know, I'm not, I don't adhere to like the, any major religion, but I do adhere to spirituality. And I do believe in Christ consciousness. 
Well, that was um, all in the Da Vinci Code, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, was it? I didn't watch that. No, I didn't watch it's it. not. Yeah, we know, but it's, it's, historically, it's, we know very little about Mary Magdalene. She's only mentioned right. like a few times, in the, uh, like once or twice in the Bible. But she yeah. is one Isn't of the that people weird, that, 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 that did discover that uh, Jesus Well, who knows if any of these people ever existed? Exactly. Like, like I, I feel right. like with any mm-hmm. kind of theology, mm-hmm. it's like all these, all these, you know, gods and goddesses is... You know, and, and Mary Magdalene is the divine slut, right? But she was, that was also something that came much later. That yeah. was not written. The sacred in, whore. It was written into the Testament, yeah. but or the gospel, but like that came like the Middle Ages or Renaissance time when there was a really like a lot of misogyny going on. So they wanted to make it seem as though she was some kind of whore that Jesus saved. Oh, yeah, so that's they, not, they added did, that's the not in the Bible. To her? That's just I believe, cultural. I believe that's not that, in the Bible. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe yeah. that, um, <laughs> I believe that, yeah, the, the culture uh, and the church may have distorted um the power that the feminine the woman has uh, and it helps keep control i mean okay so listen if if you and your partner can ascend to defend to divinity and really feel connected with god just through just through your partnership and your connection that takes that devalues the priests the clergy uh and and if they want to hold power um you know they'll have to say hey you have to come through us to, to reach God. And I don't think that's true. I think we go inside ourselves to reach God. We don't have to go external. It just a lot of things just didn't make sense to me in, in most major religions. I'm like, why do I have to go here and do this? Like, isn't God here loving me now? Isn't, um, am I not connected? Well, yeah. you know, God is just a, another way of saying, uh, I trust in the goodness of humanity and our ability to overcome anything together. That's all it is. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that perspective. Yeah. Definitely see that perspective. Yeah. You know? And in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, uh, like, because people sometimes think of bodybuilding as a, and it is to some degree a vain pursuit. It is, you know, <laughs> you're building, your, you're putting a lot of money, a lot of energy, a lot of food into making your muscles bigger than they <laughs> would be on their own, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, and people ask me, is this healthy? And I, ask, I go, no, it's not. But <laughs> neither is mountain climbing or skydiving like- or playing football and or cage fighting and no one sort of seems to question that. Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's better than uh, some other things. Like I, I could, you know, like for me and my, my journey of bodybuilding, I much rather prefer myself doing bodybuilding than going out drinking, you know? Oh yeah. Like, All the good bodybuilders don't touch alcohol, but they'll do uh, meth, G ecstasy. G- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything that doesn't pack on the calories. Well, because yeah, it's because I mean, alcohol gets processed by the liver, and it's and, and it actually destroys muscle. Like you could, you know, I mean, I would say any kind of drugs also going to do that to some degree. But alcohol is just so demanding on your body, and especially if you're doing yeah. anabolic steroids, you don't want something that's going to challenge or push your liver or your kidneys at all. Yeah, you don't want to increase anything that's heptatoxic at all. Yeah, like, that's just more toxic. Hepta means hepta. the kidneys. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's. I think that's liver, isn't it? Yeah, it might be. Or is it hep- liver? Yeah, yeah. liver. What's yeah. that then? What would renal? Renal. Uh, that's uh, right. Renal. Yeah, probably renal toxic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and so you know, uh, in this podcast, besides talking about your sexuality, which you do flawlessly, I have to say, Scott. And Thank unlike you. some of those other guests who all they wanted to do was talk about bodybuilding on a bodybuilding podcast. <laughs> How dare they? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, one common question we get asked from our listeners is I love having big arms. I like, I like big tits. I like big biceps. I like big tri. Let's focus on the triceps for today. Okay. What 
do you think is like some takeaways that people are listening right now that they can go home and say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to add this approach to training my triceps. Like one, one question is like, is it in, if somebody who's like been lifting for about five or six years, you know, is it better to split your arms into their own day or is there, is the strategy better to incorporate your biceps and triceps into, you know, your chest or back day? Great question. Uh, I just go off what I've experienced and mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy my triceps and I think they're great. So what I really enjoyed um, was doing like a, a chest day and then supplementing um, an exercise or two for triceps. And I would do something more of a volume approach to mm-hmm. get blood flow. I would do, you know, make sure I get blood flow. I wasn't like trying to like lift the whole stack and, and tax my central nervous system. I would do my chest training and post chest training, I would pump my triceps up. And then about two or three days later, uh, whenever I had, I had done my shoulders, my legs and my back, I'm like, you know, I still want to go to the gym. Uh, then I would do an additional arm day because I was addicted to being, to being in the gym as part of my routine. So instead of me staying at home, I just go to the gym and, and do um, some more intense bicep and tricep training together. That's what I benefited from and enjoyed myself. So you'd kind of do it like twice a week? Essentially, yeah. One, one day was a high volu- higher volume uh, in the sense of like two exercises with f- uh, four, rep, four sets, excuse me. Uh, with like 12 to 20 rep range and just get blood flow, not heavy weight, but just get blood pumping in there. I also felt like that helped with the recovery too. Well, I've noticed that like, you know, calves like triceps benefit from volume based training. Like, you know, they, they like sort of uh, sets of 15 to 20 or 25. Uh, they like shorter uh, rest periods. They just like, you know, getting that blood in more than other, yeah. other muscle groups. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where to speak on calves. My calves just grow the way they do. I don't do any extra calf work. So, um, What about uh, the, the tempo and the eccentric, you know, basically when you're going against gravity, right? Um, is, is that a, oh, sorry. Yeah. You're going in the direction of gravity. Sorry. Yeah. So the, yeah, I, the way I, mm-hmm. so we're on the same semantics or same terms here, the way I describe concentric and eccentric uh, concentric is when the muscle is shortening and eccentric is when it's elongating. Thank you. That's a good way to remember that. Yeah. It's easy for me to remember that way. <laughs> I thought yeah. of like eccentric, like, uh, uncle Albert and Mary Poppins. He's in the ceiling <laughs> and then they're very sad because they're going down with gravity. Yeah. I, got you, I got you. He Hopefully loves to laugh, but some, yeah. the party has to end and, you know, and, and so, you know, when that tempo, when you're going down with gravity or you're, you know, elongating it again, uh, that's when you want to go as slow as possible because that slowly sort of breaks apart the muscle fibers to help them heal and grow bigger. Yeah, I usually do, uh, if I'm really attentive to my, my training, I usually do a, a two to three second count yeah. on that one. And then on the concentric movement, uh, it's it's more of a burst, about a one second, depending on the, the muscle that I'm moving, maybe one to two second as, and as quickly as possible. Yeah. And in terms of like, um, you know, the angle of your hands, you know, like traditionally uh, triceps were done in, with a little curved bar, you know, like we did it in high school. But yes. nowadays, you know, they have ropes and you oh God, even yeah. with your hands facing the ceiling and yeah. different angles. Uh, what's your thoughts on up, that approach? Um, I, I switch up mine from from pronated grip to supine mm-hmm. um, to um, to neutral grip. 
So and I'll if I, whatever exercise I'm doing for arms, I'll I'll do one of each. So I do about six exercises uh, or so for arms. Um, so and a highly my, underrated yeah. exercise is the French press, which sounds yeah, like French a coffee pretzel. making yeah. machine, but you it know. is a coffee making I've, machine. Yeah. <laughs> I've used that one. I've really enjoyed the, the French press, and on that one, yeah. um, I I don't put as I, I don't want to have tendonitis, and I tend to get that if my uh, if I put too much pressure on my elbows. So depending on where my center of gravity is, I don't have my elbows directly above my center of gravity. Right. I have them. I have them slightly um, forward so that the center of gravity is more over my forearms and it just makes it easier for, and I, it's better if I had like an actual video explanation of this, but if you can imagine it in your, in your mind's eye, um, just having the center of gravity over like forearm area. So there's not as much pressure on the elbows. Well, you yeah. know, somebody who's shown me how to do the, uh, you know, French press was uh, Scott Herman. Uh, he's okay. the Jack LaLanne of YouTube <laughs> okay. of our okay. generation. And, you know, he taught so many bodybuilders and, and so many fitness people, even though he himself is natural to this day. Um, he uh, he taught so many people how to lift and how to, like, you know, manage their meals and stuff like that. And uh, one thing he said is, like, when you're lying down on the bench and you're thinking of your arm going straight up to the ceiling, so it's perpendicular with the floor, then yeah. think about your elbows going closer to your ears when you're doing the, the French press. And that'll be a, a more um, ergonomic or a safer angle to, and a, and a better way to target your triceps. Oh man, I'm thinking about doing that right now. And I just remember how my triceps would burn so bad doing that exercise. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was a good burn. Now that's another thing too. I think a lot of people, my perception from my, my training and my coaching, mm -hmm. I'm like, what is the difference between this person making progress and this person making progress? They're both following their plans and doing their exercises. But I think that like, there is a level of intensity that people and discomfort that people don't want to feel. And I remember growing up and playing football and they were really competitive football team in my high school and they would push us till we're dying, you know, just whatever, if it was an exercise in the gym or out on the field. Uh, and it, it, that calibrated my brain to like, okay, I'm not actually exercising until I feel this intensity, this burn and really sitting in that, that pain, like not actual structural ligament tendon pain, but actual muscle burning pain. And just to sit there and revel in that. And they're like, Oh, I, this is, this is what I deserve. I deserved this pain. <laughs> this is what I need to grow. And I think that, um, some people don't take it to that point and they, they really limit their muscle gains because they're not breaking anything down. Yeah. Well, part of it is, I think, you know, in terms of building muscle and, and this idea of pain, you know, there's injury pain, there's the swelling of the muscle so much that it kind of pinches your nerve pain. There's just oh, yeah. exhaustion pain. Like we have one word to describe many different things. And, and the way I like to encourage people to think about it, and I wanted to hear your thoughts, is this quote by Arnold Schwarzenegger, the, you know, the godfather of modern bodybuilding. Yes. Who said, you know, the best way that we can think about when we train our muscles is to train them in an erotic manner. Ooh. Oh, wow. I like that. And he, this is, you know, the famous quote that he's later in many interviews expounded upon. Uh, he says, the greatest feeling you can get in a gym or the most satisfying feeling you can get in the gym is the pump. Let's say you train yep. your biceps, blood is rushing to your muscles, and that's what we call the pump. Your muscles get a really tight feeling like your skin is going to explode any minute, and it's really tight, and like someone blowing air into your muscles just blows up and feels different. It feels fantastic. 
it's as satisfying to me as coming is, you know, yes. as in yes. having sex with a woman and coming. So you, can you believe how much in heaven I am? I'm like, I'm getting the feeling of coming in the gym. I get the feeling of coming at home. I get the feeling <laughs> of coming on stage. When I pump up, when I pose in front of 5,000 people, I get the same feeling. So I'm coming day and night. It's terrific, right? I'm in heaven. <laughs> I, can, I can relate to Arnold so much there. Yeah. Having a pumped up muscle group is like having an erection in that area. It's like, oh, yes. What's all that tension so and release? Yeah. Which is what the orgasm is all about. Well, it's interesting, though, you know, because I've been in situations, you know, when I'm on a cycle... And, you know, I'm working out, especially like my shoulders, uh, it just, the pump gets so intense, you just have to stop because it starts yeah. to pinching a nerve, you know? Yeah. It reduces, I get so pumped up. My experience is I get so pumped up that it reduces my range of motion. Yeah. And I sometimes can't do some exercises because like, well, I can't go full range of motion. Yeah. And then, you, you know, I, what, do you, what are your thoughts on foam rolling or myofascial release? Uh, I think they're fantastic. I just don't do them as often as I should. <laughs> That's my thoughts on that. Well, it's part Great, of it is like we all it. love massage, right? But and I tell people it's like, hey, when you foam roll, you're your own massage therapist and you can go see them anytime you like. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, the difficult part for me is this man, it can be so painful sometimes, especially on my my outer thigh, my uh IT band. I'm just oh, it's killer. Yeah. Uh, what's a big uh, drawback? Like, you know, in terms of like uh, people are trying to get to that next level, you know, and they're, they're, mm -hmm. and they're usually always like they, they get focused on one thing, you know, and usually on the Internet, it's like he's just doing steroids. And, I, and, I, and my yeah. response is like, yeah, steroids uh, gets you magically into the car, goes to the grocery store, buys the groceries, takes you home, <laughs> cooks the meals, gets you to bed on time, gets you to the gym, lifting weights. It gets you showering, gets you eating on time. Yeah, exactly. they do all that. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's a frustration of mine as well. Um, yeah, I do, I do. I've done steroids the past 10 or so years. And uh, and it's just really discrediting for all the work that I put in. If you think I can just inject it, all that that progress and results in, in, into my muscles with a, with a syringe and some steroids. It's just like, come on now. Well, the, the, most, the most important thing really is the food. More than anything, it else. absolutely is. the The food is definitely the most important. Yeah, and in I terms agree. of overcoming, you know, your body's ability to say, like, I just don't want to eat anymore. Please, mommy dearest, I don't want that steak. <laughs> yeah, I've been there more than more times than I'd like to admit. I, I remember really being in bodybuilding. I was like, man, there's no time where I'm actually comfortable as a bodybuilder. I'm either stuffing my face, I'm too full, or yeah. I'm starving myself and I'm really hungry. There's only like maybe right when I start a prep or uh, maybe a week or two after my prep has ended that I feel uh, comfortable. And, and so how do you like, uh, you know, cause I, I think for me, like uh, having a dance background and yoga background, it's like, you know, not eating is very easy for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. I hear like I'm better at not eating than I am yeah. overeating. Yeah. But for like sure. when you're trying to just get like, and in this weekend, uh, please uh, hold your applause. Everyone. I did 4,000 calories every last three wow. days. Wow. Thank wow. you. We, yeah. I'm a hero. I know. <laughs> you ate things. I ate things. <laughs> Lots of things. Uh, for me, it was, it was like, there was, there's a lot of tricks that I kind of figured out on how to overcome that your body's just signal saying no more. 
Yeah, what did you what did you figure out for yourself? Uh, one of the things is like you know, CJ actually sent me some uh, his weight gaining powder. Yeah, uh, and the yep. mail. you didn't want to use because it was chocolate. And I was and like, I've, I've been using it. And then Faust oh, was like, All right, I'll try. But like it. a high quality weight yeah. gaining shake powder can get you, you know, past that hump. Mm-hmm. So like you know, at work, um, our lunches and our breaks are very strict. Like, yes. you know, we're, we're like the federal government it has to be on time, you know, and uh, otherwise it throws everything, you know, I work in tech support in a retail environment yeah. and it just throws everything out the window in terms of schedules. If somebody's like 10, five minutes late to their break. Absolutely. But the good part of that is that then you're eating on a, on a clock, you know, when you're at home and you're on your days off, that's where it becomes more challenging. Agreed. The weekends can be very difficult, uh, from what I've seen with clients, because yeah. their 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 routines out of whack. Now, the the protein shakes and the mass gainers can be obviously really beneficial, especially in your work environment, where you can be at a meeting or doing your work and then drinking on that throughout the day. But you know, the thing about it is, is also it helps to find food that you digest well, that you enjoy eating, that's not fried, that's not rich in sodium, that's that's rich in you know nutrients. Yeah, I, I think what comes to my mind right now that, that would probably be my most easily digestible meal, and I, if I wanted to add calories in it, uh, would be well, what I would do would be like having a cod, cod like for fish, mm-hmm. uh, and jasmine. Mark loves cod. I'm just like, I'm Norwegian. Yeah. You know, we love yeah. cod. I grew up yeah, eating and, cod. I, yeah, I, I, I love it. I just don't buy it as often because it's it's a little bit pricey. Um, and I add that with jasmine rice and um, some some butter, mm. some real butter, and then you get a lot of calories and your fats, proteins, and carbs, and it's easy to digest. One of my favorite things to do right now because I've been more mindful of my diet and switching to more organic foods to reduce inflammation because I believe inflammation is the thing that that we all suffer from. Like mm. if you go to the store right now and you look at all the products you buy, right. look at the ingredient labels and see if they have vegetable oils in there. Everything has vegetable oils in it. And as soon as I cut that out, I reduce the scope of foods that I have, mm. and uh, I have I have less inflammation because that shit leads to uh, cancer. It leads to sicknesses. If our body is constantly fighting that with the food we're digesting, uh, we're going to be constantly lower immune system and uh, and more have a higher propensity to diseases. So one of the things I really enjoy doing now to to, to supplement my diet with calories is I do a couple of scoops, maybe a cup of, of white rice, my jasmine rice, uh, a ripe banana, um, some uh, raw unfiltered honey, cinnamon, and um, sometimes I put in some natural peanut butter in there. Mm-hmm. And man, I mix that stuff up and it's so fucking good. And then you stick your dick in it. <laughs> yes. That's one of my favorite things to do is, is on my Twitter, my OnlyFans, I like to, where's, where's Scott's dick going to be at now? I know, One time, in a hot dog oh, bun, you, in a banana in a hot dog peel. Bun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you watched it. Hey, oh, yeah, so I was looking at your Twitter. My favorite. We do research for this podcast. Oh, yeah. You know? My yes. favorite thing, though, that you've done so far that I've seen is you dressing. You had a, like a, you know, Captain America lost his clothes. And yes. he managed to drill a hole into his shield and stick his dick. His dick was so hard it Listen, broke through that vibranium. Yeah, that's what I fucking love weightlifting. And okay, so I had I had the, my I had this rock hard erection. Like, what am I gonna do with this fucking thing? I was like, oh, you could have called well, us. I had, yeah, I know, right? I let you guys know. Scott. Well, I had this. I had this. Um, this. This plate. This uh, American flat. This uh, Captain America plate. And it used to be Ryan Holidays. I don't know if you know him, but he's a like a famous author out here. And somehow I got it at my house. Like I'm going to stick my dick in that. And, uh, that was a really fun, um, video <laughs> I made. 
I was like, wow, it looks great. That's so and now you've ruined your shield for Halloween. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, so, well. Well, I mean, it. you know, like I've seen some of these guys who have their OnlyFans and they're all they're doing is dressing up as superheroes. You know, yeah. Captain America, Spider-Man, uh, you know, The Flash. Care Bears. Care <laughs> Bears to Teletubbies, <laughs> all that weird shit. And, uh, you know, in terms of like your audience requesting from you, what like what's the the most things you're like, I don't want to do it, but a lot of people ask you for this, so I'll do it. Yeah, one of the things that people ask for just seems kind of like really difficult for me to to get in the mood and the zone for is like degradation. Like call yeah. me these, these names. Uh, I'm going to quote, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to quote, like they call me like degrading homosexual name. They, they want to degrade you or you want, no, they, 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 they want me to degrade them. They like want me to put the video up and call them like, Oh, you're you F piece word. of shit. F word. Yeah. Dirty things like thinking homosexual. Well, one of the funniest, <laughs> one of the funniest things that I've ever done or been part of is, uh, you know, the drag queen lady bunny was in our home. We were filming a series called cooking with drag queens. Okay. And we were done filming and, and, you know, and Mark was get, took Jesse for a walk and, and lady Bunny's like an old friend. So we just hang out and talk a lot. And she started taking the, uh, the dog treat and, and teasing our dog with it, you know? Yeah. And, and she, and, and she was like lecturing it how it, the dog needs to go vegan. <laughs> Oh no. Oh my goodness. And the dog's like, like Give me that treat. Give me really frustrated. And at the very end, she's like, All right, here's your treat, faggot. <laughs> oh my God. And it was the funniest thing. Uh, I mean, I, I still watch that video. It's on YouTube. Lady Bunny tortures our dog. And it's just so funny. And and to me, I was like, there is a humor if you are a part of a disenfranchised community and to use to reclaiming that word in a playful manner. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, people who don't understand that humor, they're going to be just like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you!" Right? Said that, That's, you know? Okay, so this is one thing that I wondered too. Is like, okay, you know, I even saw a South Park episode uh, <laughs> where they had like the the motorcycle drivers, and they're yeah. like, "Those guys, are a bunch of faggots and stuff like that." Uh -huh. Like, well, you talk about you can't say it. it's like, no, like you don't understand. Like, our generation has this new term for it, uh, and then I'm all, I also wonder is like, you know what? I've taken enough dicks in the ass where I think I'm allowed to use that word. You know, I would like, say so. I should be able to say like I could say gay or whatever I want to say. Yeah. <laughs> I paid my dues. <laughs> well, well, did you pay or get paid for your dues? Oh, that's a good question. It was it was a it, it was, was a, an understanding. Exchange. It was yeah, it was an exchange. It wasn't like a direct <laughs> like I'm paying you to, for this like prostitution, but it was just like a relationship. Well, that's an interesting thing, but you know, you find pleasure in the bodies of other men as well. It's not just a situation where it was transaction for you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Which mm -hmm. is, you know, not every guy who's done, uh, you know, men on men porn uh, is willing to even admit that, you know, and, I, and, you know, and some of them are scared to come on this. Like, I've, I pitched the idea to some of these other guys, and they were like, kind of terrified about just examining huh? about that or thinking about it. That's too bad. There's so much to learn about yourself. And, and, yeah. I, and I imagine like if, if you don't have the comfortability to uh, have this type of conversation of being open and expressive, yeah. like what are you hiding about yourself? What are you not facing? Like, and how are you showing up in other, in other ways? Are you being authentic? Or are you, you know, like I've, I've really enjoyed just owning exactly how I feel and just being transparent about it because it's empowered me so much. And that's what I'm trying to do on my social media is, is show people like, you can do that for yourself. Yeah. I want to be I want to be a catalyst to other people's healing by embodying my authenticity. 
and, they, and essentially giving them permission. They're not asking for it, but but deep down they're not doing it for themselves. So if they see like a beacon of light, someone who's doing it, like wait, Scott does it. He has successful businesses. He's got a great community and friendships. He's got um, fantastic lovers. And he's just enjoying the fuck out of his life. It means you can do it too, as long as you trust yourself and allow yourself to do it and hold to your boundaries. Everyone can do it if they if they just step up for themselves. That's such a beautiful thing to say. Thank you. you it's know, been a wonderful I, mission. I, I wish more people heard that. Honestly, you know that's why we're well, that's doing why we this, podcast. Get this podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, we we've been doing uh, Feast of Fun for seventeen years, and one thing we we interviewed a lot of interesting people who are creatives, right? And uh, but the bodybuilders uh, seem to trigger our audience in unexpected ways that really just made us come to the conclusion we needed to have a separate show for this very important topic, which was talking about sexuality and how it dovetails with bodybuilding and how, especially men, you know, regardless of whether you're gay, straight or, or bi or poly or, you know, sapiosexual or whatever, it's like, there's this connection that comes together when we're sort of celebrating a muscular physique. Yes. Yes. I, I can see it would be really important because there's a lot of confusing things going on here. It's like, if you're a man who's, uh, identifies as heterosexual and is not willing to really look at your sexuality, but here you are like totally engrossed in your body and you're showing up on stage in a song and there's people who are attracted. It's like, what a conflicting place to be at if you're not willing to just be open with your sexuality. Mm. And yeah, I, I see how the, this podcast and these topics could be really important, uh, especially for helping young men navigate and orientate themselves uh, in society and with themselves. It's really important. Well, I think yeah. it's great. You know, like I, I have a, a really supportive community at the gym in the suburbs I lift out at in Highland Park. Shout out LA Fitness, Highland Park, Chicago. <laughs> and, you know, and just the crowd there, it's like there a lot of younger guys. Uh, they're very comfortable with their sexuality, even though they're not, you know, they're sort of discovering what it is. Oh, that's um, good. Like I had this one friend of mine and he was just like, he's Greek. He's just beautiful. Has a very similar physique to yours, you know? Mm -hmm. And he just came up to me. And he's like, oh man, I am just so sore. It's like, and I was like, oh yeah, what, what happened? It's like, oh, yesterday I trained my legs and I'm just, I can barely walk. And I said, oh, well, you know, the legs are the second largest muscle group in your body. So of course you'd be sore. He's like, second, <laughs> what's the largest muscle in my body? And I said, my dick. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you're going to go, like a dick in a butt joke. Great. And, and so he thought that was the fun. And I was just, you know, taking a bit of a risk, you know, to see because you like punch me. Straight guys have more gay humor than gay guys because gay guys, if they say a joke like that, they kind of mean it. Yeah. But like straight guys will just be think, oh, that's just funny. Well, I mean, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, and I'm joking. <laughs> and I'm joking. And, and, you know, and so he thought that was the funniest thing. So for about a month, Afterwards, every time I saw him, he'd be like, Fausto, my dick. <laughs> I'm glad that he was receptive to your humor and didn't like take offense. And yeah, that's great. Well, you know, it's like I'm, I'm a little bit bigger than him. So <laughs> get a <laughs> <laughs> just a tiny bit, just a tiny <laughs> just bit. A We're about tip. the same. We're about the same. We're all well connected, you know? It's yeah. muscle is, is neither created or destroyed. It's just transferred in the universe. <laughs> yeah. It's just an energy transfer. <laughs> it's an energy transfer, you know, from, from the cow 
to your body. And then you yeah. die and the cow eats the grass and so on. So circle of life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, where do you go on holiday? I guess the most consistently I go back home to visit family, yeah. but I've really enjoyed, I really enjoyed Denver, Colorado, San Diego. I feel like Denver, San Diego and Austin, Texas have very similar vibes. Yeah. Uh, they're very outdoorsy, uh, very fit cities, uh, very progressive. Uh, so those places I really like, I, I really enjoyed Tulum. I went to Tulum uh, this past January and Where's I Tulum? tend to go to Mexico. Tulum, Mex- oh, Mexico. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I do tend to go to Chicago a couple times a year. I just got back from there uh, about a week and a half ago. Well, come work out with us. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's live. Give me more reasons. Yeah, give me more reasons to, to come up there. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. the one thing I like about, uh, I haven't been to Mexico yet, but it's like, I love that, the, you know, all the pharmacies will sell you um, <laughs> underground gear. But it's so expensive. It's so They're so, ex- such a ripoff, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's expensive in Mexico? Yeah. 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 They're like, uh, so you, I, yeah, you go to like, uh, what is this usually the port of Ayarta? And everyone's like, oh, I'm, I'm getting, you know, legal steroids. And I'm like, first of all, it's not legal. Two, it's not pharmaceutical. They're just, you know, brewing it themselves and passing it on as if it were. And three, they're charging way more than they need to. Yeah. It's really expensive. But, you know, I heard that going to like Istanbul, if, I mean, if you're like a roided muscle beast wanting to go on a vacation, like going to Middle Eastern countries is like the place to go or Thailand. Yeah, I bet. So I bet the Middle Eastern countries would be like, they got a lot of great bodybuilders come out of there. And the gyms just like, I look on Instagram and, and, and I'm just like, God damn, like our gyms suck. <laughs> <You know? laughs> These, yeah. It's like, they have all this really great equipment and just like, like a dedicated hip thrust machine that you oh, put a yeah. seatbelt on and you've, fuck the air, you know, to build your glutes. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Like I, uh, it, it reminds me like having sex in the gym is always uh, a fun, fun thing to do. If you can get away with it. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's go. Let's yeah. go lift. What are good uh, gyms in Austin, Texas, uh, to lift? Uh, the gyms here that, that I like and that are popular, they have one that's in the Northern area. It's uh, called house of gains. They have one that's um, that I go to frequently. It's called Big Text Gym. It's a bit of a dungeon style gym, uh, very very tight community. And there's a new one. Um, there's a couple new ones south. One's called Factory uh, Gym, Factory ATX. It's a beautiful gym. It's really popular and hot right now. A lot of people are going there. A lot of really competitive bodybuilders. And there's also Los Camp Ones, um, uh, and it's run by Matt Papadia. Um, Los Camp Ones. Los Campuanos, I, I, you know what, it's probably like Spanish. I probably butchered it, but Los Campuanos, hey, like yeah, Los Campuanos or something like that. Yeah, that's a strange name for a gym. It sounds like a yeah, I thought so too, but whatever. It's a beautiful gym. He's got a great setup. He invested a lot of money in that. You can tell it's huge open space. Yeah, and there's Lift ATX. There's tons of them. Like Los Campuanos. Let's go. Yeah, thank you. Like champions, if, right? Probably. Yeah, probably what it is. Uh, if, if your listeners do want to know about uh, Austin, Texas gyms, I'd be more than happy to like throw them all out and, and tag them in some way. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, Scott, you're awesome. I, I absolutely love your energy. And, you know, of course, so many people love your physique. And, mm, thank you. And, you, you know, your OnlyFans sounds like a, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a blast. I'm going to, I've done a lot of solo work, but I'm, uh, uh, setting up a lot of collaboration now that I'm I'm open and free to do that and 
Awesome. I haven't committed to me. So yeah, am I going to get in trouble if I ask you? Like, um, <laughs> CJ will kill me. But <laughs> oh yeah, he's <laughs> like he says that you're you're uh, you're trying to uh, convince him to to start when I I think he's beautiful. Oh yeah, I, I wanted CJ to to come yeah. play with, me, but he's really shy. I'm like, okay, I know. Well. I'm like, put just like rub, me, like rub me down or something, CJ. Yeah, just put a uh, like a, a mask, you know. But they yeah, say that because of the tattoos, they can't do it. You know? Oh well, that's that's well, that's his choice. So I'm not going to judge him. Makeup. For, yeah, I mean, if he if he really wants it, he knows where to go. Well, you know what 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 you could do is because one of the things that you do that I also love for the listeners who are still on the fence, you dress up as the Incredible Hulk with a mask, <laughs> yeah. and you paint yourself all green, and you have the hoochie baby daddy shorts purple shorts <laughs> purple yeah, shorts, purple shorts. <laughs> so it's like a I, contemporary I can't believe hulk you, you scroll back pretty far to see that one from 2019 that was october 2019 I was, we do our research yeah. here yes sir wow we make yes, it sound like does. we're like stalking you or something yeah it's like <laughs> like we're gonna hang out later <laughs> are you looking yeah i always like it when uh some i had a, a, a very muscular friend of mine who i really admire uh he said to me is like oh man you've been putting a lot of size lately and I said, well, I appreciate that you're observing my body, Corey. What else have you noticed? What have you noticed? <laughs> what else do you that? like about me? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. I didn't mean it that way. Uh, uh, backpedal, backpedal. <laughs> but yeah, you could, you could dress up CJ as uh, the Incredible Hulk and, you know, and put the mask on him. And that hides his uh, tattoos. And, and then it could yeah. be like Captain America and Incredible Hulk become gay lovers. <laughs> yes yeah, well might have to choose a different character now because if people listen to this like i think that's cj there <laughs> oh, they, they won't know. know it could be anybody we didn't say it his could last be. name true, true. yeah we did yeah. actually go yeah we said to the, i have to remove the the names of your ex-girlfriends <laughs> <laughs> she's like you said what about me yeah <laughs> scott uh it's a pleasure hanging out with you please stay in touch uh yeah thank you so much congratulations on all your amazing success and uh give a big hug and kiss to to live yeah, right? yep that's right uh from us and i'm sure um then and, and thanks so much for being so generous with sharing so much of your uh private story with the world absolutely yeah yeah i have nothing to hide and i just uh Enjoy letting people hear about it and hopefully learn vicariously through me. Thank you, Fausto, and thank you, Mark. You guys are wonderful, and I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. I'm glad you came on. Yeah, mm -hmm. come, come again. Come on. I'll come again. If you, anytime you guys need me to come on, I'll just come wherever you need. I'll bring my own shield with a hole in it. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care, Scott. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Scott Holiday lives in Austin, Texas. Follow him on Instagram at holidaybam. That's holiday with two L's. Yes. Yes. Because uh, the holiday ban was taken by another, uh, the is chef. Right? Amaral Lagasse. <laughs> Amaral Lagasse. <laughs> this is about frying a steak, not licking a steak. <laughs> what a delight, huh? What, you know, I've been a big fan of his for mm -hmm. a long time. You know, he's. And did, you, did you know about him through CJ? Or no, was it, it was just a coincidence, oh, you know? Wow. And, and I was just like, this guy is a real character. He's a, he has a beautiful body, He's just beautiful energy. And I was mm -hmm. just like, you know, part of the reason I started this podcast is just to talk to him. <laughs> stalker. <laughs> Such a stalker. But no, I think it's important, you know, when we're celebrating fitness, the bodybuilding, muscle worship, the body. sexuality, all of that kind of, it's all, you know, we're just trying to figure it all out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who you are is good enough. For sure. And because... 
you are worthy of unconditional love and you accept yourself just the way you are right now, seek out new things, new experiences, new foods, new workouts, try something new, mm. uh, let, open your opposite. You know, this is the way it has to be. Get a, get a professional, get somebody who, you know, has a different perspective to weigh in on the th assumptions you made and change it. And, you know, working with a, with a bodybuilding coach or a trainer is a humbling yeah. experience. Cause we all have our walls. You pointed out one of our walls. Like when we talked last week to a Poan, yeah. I was just like, Oh yeah, abs are a young man's game. And you're just like, that's a wall you put up for yourself. Cause there's men your age who have abs. I'm just like, you know what? You're right. That was a wall I put up. Well, and, and the, a lot of the, you know, senior bodybuilders are like, the reason I look like this is cause I just like, just put us, I'm like, my age is just a number, you mm -hmm. know, and meaning it's, it's not obviously like my ability to recuperate or grow is going to be different. Right. And, uh, some things I'm better at because I have a lot more experience mm -hmm. and I can spot something that may cause an injury and avoid it. And so in a ways being older is a benefit, not a drawback, but other ways, uh, you have to train harder um, if your you know, hormones are low or if you want to look like a bodybuilder. Anabolic steroids are going to have to be part of that equation. You know, and, and I do a bodybuilding consultant. Uh, basically, what you do for, for the listeners of the show, normally I charge $129, but I charge $99 for an hour. We go down, you and I, down the list, all the things that you're doing, what you're eating, what you're lifting, how you're sleeping, how you're training, all the assumptions you make. And I say, basically, besides trying to convince you to do anabolic steroids uh, for entertainment purposes only, because I'm not a doctor, but it's, it's about like working with your doctor, finding a good doctor, finding a good trainer, finding workouts that are going to take you in the direction that you need to go and sort of steering that boat in a new direction. And that's, the, that's a hard thing to do on your own because mm -hmm. it's just like, it's like you're you know, it's one thing to look down on a maze when the rat's trying to get out of the maze and you're like, well, it's so easy. You know, you just make a left or right. But when you're in the maze, you don't, you can't see where you're going. And so for somebody like me who has an outsider's perspective on what you're doing, I can say, Hey, look, these are the kind of things to consider when working and hiring a personal trainer or a coach. Like what even is the difference? Uh, where you're living affects like what kind of resources you have. And so I have a friend of mine who lives in Mexico and he has that. He can just walk up to the pharmacy and buy himself human growth hormone and anabolic mm -hmm. steroids. He has the best foods, the best gyms in the world at his fingertips. In Mexico City. In Mexico, yeah. And, you know, and, and that's different than somebody who's living in, you know, southern Illinois and, and is, is there's no gym nearby. And, you know, they don't even live close to a supermarket. So, like those different lifestyles, those different locations are going to have very different challenges in trying to build muscle. And yet, you know, some of these people that I know have these phenomenal physiques, a friend of mine who lives in rural British Columbia has like, is one of the most celebrated bodybuilders on Instagram. And he lives 30 miles from the nearest supermarket. And he has a built a gym in his basement. Wow. You know? And, and it's just like, it's extraordinary, like how many different people are going to solve a problem by inviting others to assist them. You know, it's it's like, may you have the courage to ask for help when you need it. Mm -hmm. 
and accept the advice and try it out because it may not work for you. Right. You know, but it's, and it's just even know what to try next. It's, it's so difficult to figure it out. And so that's, that's why I started doing this. Cause it's just like doing this podcast. People are just reaching out to me left and right. And they were like, well, I want to do what you did, you know, or I want to like know who to talk to. And we've been, you know, building this network of people and it's just like, well, there it is. So mm -hmm. reach out to me, uh, Fausto Fernos on Instagram is the best way to get a hold of me or Facebook if we're friends already. If you're going to add me as a friend on Facebook, send me a message so I can see it because otherwise I get like a thousand you know, requests and you're uh, kind of at your limit. So yeah, you got to ditch somebody to put somebody on. Well, and just to be able to chat with yeah. them and, and engage with them. But like the other day, there was this guy who, you know, he was a bodybuilder in Chicago and he, you know, doesn't. I try to reach out to him and talk to him and stuff. And he's just like, you know, no contact, like, mm -hmm. you know, and a part of it is, I think he's like a Republican. <laughs> so oh. he's like a little bit conservative, a little, maybe a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was just like, I don't need this person in my life. So I just defriended them there to you make go. space for you. Who's listening, who may want to like connect and go in deeper. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram as Mark Fillion, M A R C F E L I O N. And you're pretty good about like engaging with people on Twitter too. Yeah, I'll talk to people. You know, send me a message, DM me, slip into my DMs. Send me some vids. Mm -hmm. If you know. got a what a Captain America shield with a mm -hmm. hole cut in the and, middle. And we're also always looking for guests for the podcast. So yeah. if you've got an interesting story, if you've got something you want to come on and talk about, you know, write to us, mail at Feast of Fun, or reach out to us at uh, you know our via our, our social media, and uh, let's talk. Yeah, like if somebody's like, do you, am I muscular enough to be one of your girls, Fausto? I was like, uh, there's Feast of Fun, which is yeah. even a bigger show than this one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, but I want to be on Let's Grow Big Together. And I Are was you like, growing big? And I'm like, well, you know, this is a conversation about mm -hmm. bodybuilding. Is that something that you want to talk about? Can talk about. Ooh. You know, and they're like, no. And I'm like, well, may I suggest Feast of Fun then? <laughs> May I suggest Mr. Ray's wig world? <laughs> I want to remind folks that we can't do this podcast without your support. And the best way to support it is to become a plus member at Feast of Fun because Feast of Fun makes this show happen. You can do that at feastoffun.com slash plus. Maybe you'd like to make a one-time donation. You can do that at feastoffun.com slash donate or join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash feast of fun. Yeah, I do fin dom doming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not, sometimes I'm good at it. Sometimes I'm not, you know, it's like, like I sell my, uh, sweaty shirts or underwear for $75, uh, to the continental United States. And I'm like, guys are always reaching out to me and I'm like, you must give me tribute. Where is the tribute? And they're just like, uh, and I was like, you know, looks, if you want to be in a Fendom relationship with somebody, you have to give them money. That's how this works. <laughs> The, the, D, the F-I-N stands for financial and D-O-M stands for domination. So where's the money? Show me the money, honey. American Express will do nicely. Thank you. Let me loosen up your collar. Tell me you want me to start an OnlyFans again. Oh. All the men come to these places. Sorry, I'm getting lost in Tina Turner land. <laughs> hey, guys. Thank you so much for coming on Let's listening to Let's Grow Big Together. If you want to leave us a review, uh, go to Apple Podcasts. Weigh in. Mm -hmm. What did you like about it? Tell us. We did you know. hate it? 
Did you think it was disgusting? It made you feel dirty inside. Say, tell us that too. Uh, we appreciate your feedback and you can leave the feedback anonymously so you don't even have to, um, you know, you don't even have to reveal yourself. That's right. You could be Scott Holiday and be like, I think Mark and Faust are incredibly sexy and I just think they're wonderful. I think about them all the time. <laughs> all the time. All the time, especially when I'm filming myself on OnlyFans. Mm -hmm. I just think men are wonderful. <laughs> men, 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 men. men, men. men. <laughs> Goodbye. Everyone. Bye, everyone.